Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, great to see you here in, in Waukesha. River Glen's one church in many locations. And so would you join me? And let's just go crazy for everybody over in Pewaukee and online. Yeah. Great to have you guys with us. Thank you for joining us for church. And uh, of course, uh, tomorrow, got the big game, right? Uh, Super Bowl coming up tomorrow. Um, who, let's do a little survey. Who thinks the, um, who's pulling for the, uh, the Chiefs? Anybody pulling for the Chiefs? Okay. Uh, 49ers. Who thinks 49ers? Okay. Um, who didn't know there's a game tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I was asked if I have any insights uh, from the Lord, you know, from Scripture, you know, about the outcome of the game and also about whether uh, Taylor Swift uh, would make it from um, her flight, make it in time for the game. She's flying from uh, Tokyo. Any Swifties here tonight? Any Swifties in the house? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, I turned to scripture, and here's what Daniel said. The prophet Daniel said, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening uh, sacrifice. And so I think clearly uh, she's going to make it for the game. Uh, yeah, you can rest easy on that one. Yeah, pretty clear. Uh, and then for the outcome of the game, not looking good for the 49ers. Yeah, uh, Job 7, 6, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. And, uh, you know, I take it that the uh, 49ers are going to get swifted, and their season is going to come to just a hopeless um, end. And then 1 Peter chapter 5 says, and when the, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And so uh, the chiefs are going to get that crown uh, one more time. And so there you go. There you go. There's your answer. All right, today we're going to uh, begin a, a new uh, seven-week series, a journey. It's called The Way of Jesus, leading up to Easter, uh, chronologically going through the life of Jesus to help us see and understand the way of Jesus. And today we're going to begin, we're going to pick it up right after the baptism of Jesus. Jesus gets baptized, and then he begins a three-year public ministry. Uh, but do you know, what is the first thing that happened after the baptism of Jesus. The very first thing that happened to Jesus is, is, is the first thing that we're going to have to deal with if we're going to live in the way of Jesus. And it might surprise you. Uh, check it out. It's in Luke chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. That's where he got baptized, Jordan River. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into, into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, anybody, um, anybody, anybody else surprised by that? I mean, if, um, if, if you got baptized, maybe you've already gotten baptized, did you expect that the uh, first thing that would happen after your baptism is that you would battle, that you would battle temptation? Probably not. You know, many of us probably thought the opposite, that, uh, you know, when I get baptized, I'm good. Uh, life's going to be great. I've got Jesus with me. But what we see in the life of Jesus, if we want to live the way of Jesus, we've got to learn to deal with temptation. And this applies to all of us. I mean, no matter our age, even children uh, deal with it. Check this out. Sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. 
When I come back, I'll give you two, another one. So then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> yeah, temptation's hard. Uh, isn't it very hard uh, to resist. I like the one kid that you know kisses the, the marshmallow, or the girl. She didn't. One girl that she didn't wait very long. She she just went ahead and took a bite out of it. It's it's hard to resist what I want now, for what I want the the most. And since all of us deal with temptation, I want to begin with this question. What tempts you? In what areas of life do you find it hard to resist what I want now for something that I want the, the most? I brought along some uh, food items here that represent, represent temptation uh, for me. And I think probably many of us are tempted you know, by food. Uh, maybe for you it's not donuts. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's ice cream, uh, pizza, uh, a cheeseburger. For me, it's a donut. Here's what happens for me. I'll stop at a, a, a grocery store or a gas station in the morning, and I'll see the, the fresh donuts, and they look really good. And, you know, I'll have one of those donuts, and it's really uh, delicious. It's so good that I'll eat three or four more of, of those things. And I'm stuffed. I feel almost sick, indigestion. I regret it. And you would think that I would learn, but you know what? The next day on my way to the office, I notice every single bakery on the drive over here, and I feel the pull of temptation. Now, I can laugh about the, the donut, but oftentimes I have more serious temptations in, in my life. Oftentimes I feel tempted to, to, to brag, uh, tempted to lose my temper, tempted to gossip, tempted to think that I'm always right when it's really quite possible that I'm, that I'm uh, wrong. And every one of us deals with temptation. It might be food, it might be alcohol, it might be power, it might be uh, money or possessions or social media or technology or self-importance. The list goes on and on. And we can come to a point where, with, with temptation where we hate what it, what it does in our life. You know, if, if you get to the point where you develop an, an addiction, you can get to a point where you hate that addiction because of what it does to your uh, self-esteem, what it does to your reputation, how it affects your relationships and your finances. But temptation is so powerful, you can go right back to it this week. But today we're gonna learn that if you feel tempted, uh, you're not alone. You're actually in really good company, and there is hope, and there is help, and there is power available for all of us. I don't know if you've ever really stopped and really thought, of, thought much about it, but Jesus was fully human, 
and he was fully God. And scripture tells us that in his humanity, he experienced every single temptation that you and I uh, face. But um, do, we, do you ever wonder if it was kind of easy, you know, for Jesus to, 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 to deal with temptation? Like, like temptations just floated right by him. You know, do you, you ever wonder, you know, did he really feel, you know, the full power and, and pull of temptation uh, to do wrong? Well, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and, and open to the book of Luke, chapter 4. And I want to walk through uh, what's commonly referred to as the story of the temptations of Jesus. And it starts out this way. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them... He was hungry. Here's something that I learned this week. I've, I've looked at this story uh, many times, and I've always pictured it as Jesus out there for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, Satan comes and tempts him in three ways. And, and Jesus passes the test and moves on. But you know what? That's not what it says. It, it, it says that Satan tempted him for 40 days. I don't know if that means it was the same three temptations over the course of 40 days or if there were thousands of temptations that Jesus experienced over those 40 days. But it says Satan tempted Jesus relentlessly for 40 days. And it says that Jesus ate nothing uh, during those uh, 40 days. He practiced uh, fasting prayer, which is really the most intense kind of prayer, to deeply connect him to the Father to help him really endure and resist temptation. It says he ate nothing for 40 days. And then Luke adds, at the end of them, he was hungry. Now, I don't mean to criticize Luke, okay? And, uh, you know, none of my writings have made it into the, the Bible. But someday, uh, there, there may come a moment where I'd like to ask uh, Luke, you know, did, did you really need to include that last uh, detail that after 40 days of not eating, he was hungry? But I think what Luke is doing here is he's trying to emphasize, he's trying to highlight that Jesus felt the power of, of temptation. Uh, Luke says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Now that might sound kind of crazy, you know, turning stones into bread, except for the fact that Jesus could have easily done this. We know that later on, Jesus turns water into wine we know that later on, Jesus multiplies bread and he feeds 5,000 people with it. Jesus had the ability to do this in an instant. And think about this. He's 40 days hungry. I mean, I've gone one day um, without food and it was hard for me. Um, I, I cannot imagine 40 days hungry. But let's try to imagine that you, that you go 40 days without food and you, know, you walk into Panera Bakery and you smell the aroma of some fresh baked bread. That would be very tempting, wouldn't it? But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And notice how it's in quotations here because Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter eight from the Old Testament where God gave his people bread called manna in the wilderness, this miraculous bread that God gave them. But God would only give them enough 
to sustain them with bread for one day because God wanted to teach them that even that bread sustains your body, but even more, you need a daily relationship and dependence on God to sustain and provide for you. Jesus basically tells Satan, I'm not getting through these temptations because of bread. I'm getting through these temptations because I've got a connection, a deep connection with God and I don't want to use my power and take a shortcut and lessen my dependence on him. And so, no, I'm not going to turn the, the stones into bread. The devil goes on. Verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and, and uh, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Here's what may have happened. Some scholars think that, the, that this, is, this is what the, the devil did. The Romans had developed a very complex uh, road system. And so uh, the devil takes uh, Jesus up to a, a higher place where he can get a panoramic view. And here's the road to Rome. Here's the road to Greece. Here's the road to Persia. Here's the road to Assyria. All these important and powerful kingdoms. And you can see them in front of you. And the devil said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will, it will all be yours. And you might think, I mean, how likely is it that Jesus is going to, you know, uh, worship Satan, start worshiping Satan? How likely is it that Jesus is going to start following Satan? But in the original language, the temptation from, from Satan is to bow down just one time, just once, and you can have all the world right now. But Jesus knows if I bow down one time, I'm disqualified. I, I can't be the, the, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of, of the world. If I bow down one time, I can't accomplish the rescue mission that God sent me to do in this world. And Jesus answered, it is written, uh, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, by the way that Jesus quotes here. And then in verse nine, uh, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. And I, I love this next part because what the, what the devil does is, is, is uh, he says, okay, Jesus, you're gonna quote from the book. I can quote from the book too. And Satan actually quotes scripture here from Psalm. 91, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And you know what? Satan's absolutely right. That's scripture he's quoting. And it's about Jesus. But it refers to Jesus, and it says if he were to slip, if he were to fall down and get hurt, if he were to stumble on something, God would take care of him. But it's not about Jesus testing God. It's not about Jesus throwing himself off from a high place. And so Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all, all this tempting, he left him. And so the devil tempts Satan in three ways, three different scenarios three different desires. And every time Jesus answered with something, did you notice how Jesus answered? What did he, what did he do? What did, what did he say? He quoted scripture. 
He, he quoted scripture. A few years ago, there were a, a, a group of researchers that conducted a study of 80,000 Christians, 80,000 followers of Jesus, asking them about their spiritual growth and development. And the results revealed something fascinating, that the number one catalyst for spiritual growth by far is something that they called Bible engagement, reading and reflecting on scripture. That's the number one spiritual catalyst, catalyst for spiritual growth. Researchers also found that when people read the Bible four or more times a week, they experience massive drops in depression, porn use, alcohol abuse, anger, bitterness, just four times or more reading the scripture. Bible engagement powerfully helps us live the way of Jesus and deal with temptation. And if you'd like to try it, we've got a new Bible reading plan available. Just uh, download the YouVersion app, Choose River Glen Church, and that'll give you access to the, the uh, new Way of Jesus Bible reading uh, plan. And if you'd like some help, uh, just stop at the Next Steps Hub after the service. And here's something else that strengthened Jesus. He knew he wouldn't miss out. Everything Satan offered him was something that God already promised Jesus. God gave Jesus bread. God elevated Jesus and made him Lord over everything. God gave him the highest place. Think about this. Is there anything that temptation has, has offered you that God hasn't already promised you? God will provide for your needs. We're gonna lack uh, nothing. We have access to love, joy, and peace. We look forward to eternity in heaven that is beyond our imagination. Nothing that Satan offers you is something that God isn't going to give to you one day. And so don't trade the uh, immediate for the ultimate. Or, or excuse me, don't trade the ultimate for the immediate. Now, uh, to help us deal with temptation, I want to address a couple practical questions using this story about Jesus. First of all, when does temptation come? Oftentimes, temptation comes after a spiritual high. I mean, it's right after the baptism of Jesus. Right after God at Jesus' baptism said, this is my son whom I love. This awesome spiritual experience. And right afterwards, Jesus gets hit with temptation. Maybe you experience a mountaintop at, at work, maybe some victory at work. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you get a promotion or a generous uh, raise and you drop your guard just a little bit. You're not as vigilant. Or maybe you experience just a, a, a spiritual high. You decide, hey, you know what? I'm gonna step up and go to a small group. I'm gonna step up and go on a mission trip. I'm gonna step up and join a serve team. I'm going to step up and trust God with my finances. I'm going to step up and start the Bible reading plan. And here's what I think begins to happen. Satan goes, you know, they were on, they were on the sideline before. They weren't much of a threat before, but now they're stepping up. And they've got spiritual momentum and spiritual growth. And I think Satan comes and says, we need to do something about that. I don't want them to have growth and momentum. Another time, temptation comes 
is when we are alone. In chapter four, verse one, it says that Jesus was alone in the desert. Guess what? I'm not really, I'm not tempted at all right now to eat one of these donuts. Um, And the reason is because you're here. (laughs) And the camera's on, right? Uh, My wife's watching. I have no desire right now, no temptation to eat one of these donuts. But, you know, if the lights went off, if the cameras went off, if uh, the last person walked out and the uh, door closed, I think I'd be licking icing off my, uh, off my uh, 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 fingers. Uh, aloneness intemp- intensifies temptation. And maybe some of you are alone when you travel for work. Maybe some of you are alone uh, emotionally because you don't have anybody to confide in. Uh, Maybe some of you are are alone because you've got a secret that you carry and nobody else knows about it and you just feel alone in it. You can have hundreds of people around you every day, but in some ways you can feel completely alone in your life. That's why we need people around us to to support us. We need people around us to, to pray for us, right? And people around us to encourage us. We need people around us that we can get real with them about our, our struggles and temptations, right? Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I see many of you nodding. I'm glad that you agree. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to just right now just turn to the person next to you and tell them your greatest temptation. Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm kidding. We're not gonna do that. This would not be the appropriate place or time or relationship to do that. But you know what it would be? A counselor, a small group, a Stephen minister, a pastor, Monday night, celebrate recovery. Find some place where you don't have to be alone anymore because, because temptation will come when we're alone. It'll come after a spiritual high. And then third, temptation will come when we're in the wrong place. Satan tempts Jesus in, in the desert, in the wilderness. It's actually the same word that's also used in the Old Testament to describe the wilderness where the Israelites wandered for 40 years. It's a place of chaos, it's a place of evil. It's the wrong place. Temptation will come, will come at you when you're in the wrong place. It's a, you know, the alcoholic who says yes to the bachelor party. Now, maybe not a wise choice. The student who picks the party school, yeah, maybe that's not the best one to, to pick. Or the salesman who says, well, I know they have a toxic culture over there, Um, but uh, you can make a lot of money working there, and I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to participate in it, but, you know, we got to be very careful. One of my heroes in uh, ministry is a a retired pastor. His name is Bob Russell. He pastored a church for many years in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. Bob uh, served as a pastor back in the days when uh, pastors wore a suit and a tie every Sunday, and uh, let's never go back to that. All right, you, some of you, I don't know if, some of you might know this, when, when River Glen got started, I used to wear a suit and a tie every uh, Sunday, and uh, now I just wear my best jeans um, for, you, for uh, you guys. But Bob was a pastor back when, you know, pastors wore a, a suit, and so he had dry cleaning um, every week, and he would take his suits to the dry cleaner, and he noticed this restaurant next door was... Uh, closed. There was a dumpster out front. They were doing some renovating. He said to the clerk at the dry cleaner, what's going on over there? And the clerk took his clothes and said, oh, you know what? They're putting in a strip club over there. And that surprised Bob. 
And so Bob dropped off his clothes and, and uh, went home, came back next week to switch out his, his uh, laundry at the dry cleaner. And now he noticed there was a, there was a sign at that place with a, with a sultry woman on it. And Bob said, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't miss the, the sign. And so he dropped off his um, uh, laundry and went home. A week later, he came back and he noticed that the place was open now. People are going in and coming out. And there's music playing when the doors would open. You could hear the music, you know, coming out the door. And, and you couldn't help but imagine what was going on in there. And so you know what Bob Russell did? He switched, he switched dry cleaners. Yeah, he found a different dry cleaner. Does that make sense? You get, you get the point? Don't be in the wrong place where temptation is going to come after you again and again and again. It is relentless. I heard somebody put it this way. It's so much easier to say no to a tempting situation than it is to say no to the temptation. Isn't isn't that true? Don't just avoid the temptation. Avoid the place. Avoid the location where it occurs. Don't, Don't even get close. Here's a second question that I think can help us deal with temptation. Where, where does temptation come from? One place temptation comes from is the, is the human condition. Because just like Jesus, you and I, we've got appetites and desires and stressors in our life that can fuel temptation. In 12-step groups, they'll, they'll talk about this acronym called HALT. Stands for uh, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And when you and I feel one of these, it intensifies and makes us more susceptible to temptation. And, And it's not bad or wrong to feel these things, but we need to learn how to deal with these desires and appetites and stressors in a healthy and positive way. For example, anger is not necessarily a sin. It's not necessarily wrong. It's it's how you it's how you deal with it. We need to learn how to process and resolve anger in a way that brings us satisfaction. Companionship and and sexual intimacy are are not bad desires. They're they're gifts from God. God designed sexual intimacy for the context of marriage. And within that context, it's like fire in the fireplace. You know, it warms the house. It's wonderful, but outside Outside that context, outside the the fireplace, it can burn the house down and do great damage. Temptation comes from our human condition. And then temptation comes from Satan. That's what this story in Luke chapter 4 is all about. We've got an enemy. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said the thief comes, Satan, only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. That means that temptation comes not just from our human condition and our circumstance, but we've got an enemy, a thief that that wants to steal from you, wants to steal your joy, wants to steal your peace, wants to destroy your relationships, and, and he's working against you. He is rooting against you. But do you know where else temptation comes from? This might surprise you. Temptation comes from God indirectly. Think about this. How did Jesus end up in the wilderness that day? Remember? Take a look at this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to the the wilderness. Does that seem odd to you? 
Does it ever seem odd to you when, when we pray the prayer that Jesus asks us to, to pray? We, we, we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit did not do the tempting. That would go against God's nature. God would never tempt somebody, but he can lead them to a place where he knows they'll be tempted. Now, why would he do that? Well, it's kind of like as a parent. You know, you raise your kids and you teach them to drive and, and maybe you send them off to college and there are risks and dangers. But it allows your child to learn and grow and you believe in your kids. And God knew there's a greater good. And that's why he sent Jesus into the wilderness. God knows every time that you say no to temptation, it makes you stronger. Saying no to temptation, I mean, it builds your muscle, your self-control muscle. Every time you say no to something that you want now for something that you want most, it strengthens you and helps you live the way of, of, of Jesus. What if you did that this week? What if you, you know, asked Jesus for help and, don't, and instead of just trying to do this on your own and you say, I, 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 want, I want to do this. I want to start saying no to some temptations in my life, even little ones, because it, it's going to build that self-control muscle and it's going to build me stronger and uh, it's going to increase my strength. Temptation strengthened and prepared Jesus. You know, I started out asking this question. Did, did Jesus really feel, you know, the inner pull, the inner tug of temptation to do wrong? I love what Hebrews says about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted, look at this, in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Very often when I end a message I like this, I like to draw people's attention to the, the death of Jesus and how Jesus died uh, for you, which is absolutely true. But I want to draw your attention to a, another amazing fact, that Jesus, he didn't just die for you. He lived for you. Every day, Jesus lived as a human being as much as he was God. And that means he got tired, he got lonely, he got angry, he got hungry, and he was surrounded by temptation. But he felt tempted to tell his parents to take a hike. He felt tempted to seek revenge on those who ticked him off. He felt tempted sexually. He felt tempted to choose comfort over the cross. But every moment, every minute, Jesus made the right decision. Jesus lived in a way that got him to a place where he died on a cross and it made a difference. And that's amazing to think about, that Jesus didn't just die for you. He lived for you. And because he lived without sin, his death means that he has the authority to, to give you an invitation and say that if you will come and follow me and put your trust in me, I will forgive all your sins, and you will have a relationship with God now and forever. That's the good news. That's the gospel, and that's the invitation that he offers you today. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, then, then maybe today's your day. Maybe today you say yes to him for the first time. Let us know. After service, stop at the Next Steps Hub. Look for one of our staff or, or volunteers or one of our pastors. We'd love to talk with you and help you make that decision. Help 
pastor you through that decision and answer any questions that you might have. Or maybe your next step is to get into a small group, build some relationships. Do you know that we have nine small groups for men, nine men's group getting ready to start? Guys, it'd be a great time to step into one of those groups. Or maybe for you, your next step is to find a counselor, professional counselor, and share some of what's been going on in your life. Maybe your next step is to get on a team around here or to start a a Bible reading plan or to trust God in some area of your life. Or maybe for you, your next step is to love your neighbor because that's what Jesus has invited us to do. Or maybe your next step is just come back next week and learn more about the way of Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, God, thank you for your word. And, and for helping us to see and understand the, the way of Jesus and helping us to learn how to, how to deal with temptation. God, thank you for sending Jesus not just to, to die for us, but to live for us and to understand every temptation we face. Do you remind us that temptation is just a shortcut to what you've already promised us in the future? Thank you for providing a way out of it through Jesus and and through your word and and the people around us. And I want to pray that that we would continue to live for you and not beat ourselves up when we mess up, but take steps forward, get back on track, get back on mission and, and, and serve others and get beyond ourselves. Thank you for canceling our debt of sin and for your mercy and grace and giving us a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen.